We are so glad that you are here and uh, pray that you feel loved and encouraged uh, and welcomed here today. If you can look past some of the uh, funky looking glasses that some of the characters in that video uh, were wearing, there's more truth here than we want to admit. I think I even saw, I was kind of watching you. I watch you sometimes, is that weird? I watch you when you watch videos and I even saw some heads nodding going, oh yeah, yeah, that's me, that's me. Even in this video that is produced by a bunch of uh, designers, interior designers, costume artists, uh, musical artists with no intention uh, to connect us to God. Uh, something inside of us, I think, when we hear those phrases about busyness and stress and the pace of our lives, something inside of us admits there's on to something deeper that resonates with every single one of us, that applies to all of us. It strikes a chord in every single one of us, no matter how old we are, no matter what season of life we are, we could all use some more rest. So actually, that's a really good reason that you're here today, is you're in the right place. So just turn to your neighbor right now and, and say, neighbor, I'm pretty sure you're in the right place. Just tell him right now, I'm pretty sure you're in the right place. Pretty sure. Uh, do you notice that life just keeps getting faster and faster? Life doesn't seem to, to slow down. Today we're going to talk about rest. Could anybody use a little bit more rest? Anybody? Okay, the rest of you are lying. Um, you're in church, remember that, okay? We could all use some more rest. And collectively, you're in church, and so when we end a prayer, everybody said, Amen. We could all use some more rest. I can't remember the last time that I just casually in conversation walked up to somebody and said, oh, how are you doing? And they said, totally rested and refreshed. <laughs> you don't hear that very often, do you? Often you hear, oh, I'm exhausted. I'm overwhelmed. <laughs> I'm stressed out. It's been a busy week. How are you? Busy. And that's normally what we hear. Some of us could use rest today because you came here today and your relationships are full of stress. Maybe you are stressed out or weary from things in your marriage, from a dating relationship, uh, other relationships that are full of stress, maybe a crazy family member, a boss, or a coworker. Some of us have financial stress these days. Others of you today probably feel alone or isolated, or overwhelmed. If you have young children, uh, like myself, you are longing for rest. A 20-minute nap sounds amazing, doesn't it? I have joined the I have preached with slobber on my collar club uh, as well, because the, the, the kids, they never seem to need you when it's convenient for you. It's always when it's totally inconvenient that they need you the most. And if you're a parent of young children today, you know it seems like they're always needing more and more and more. And maybe you need rest physically, but maybe it's emotionally as well. Maybe you can't seem to get off of the treadmill that work has had you on recently, and they're demanding more and more and more of you. We could all use some rest. We long for it. Now, I'll be completely honest with you and say the two most common things that I hear people say in just everyday normal conversation, but also in, in counseling and in pre-marriage counseling and, and working with couples uh, after they're married and working through things and just t talking to people in general in, in groups and small groups, things I hear, there's two things that I hear most of all. Guaranteed. Number one, I am busy, I am tired, and I'm stressed. 
And number two, how can I experience Jesus in a deeper way? I hear those two things a lot. I am so tired, I am so busy, I am so stressed, and I would love to go deeper in my relationship with God. I haven't, I haven't met somebody that doesn't want to go deeper in their relationship with God. And beyond ironic, I think this, those two things speak directly to our problem. They could not be more related. Christian author uh, Morton Kelsey writes this. This is pretty, pretty incredible. Listen to this. He says, The most potentially destructive issue of spiritual growth is not alcohol, it's not immorality, nor is it drugs. It's people who are efficiently busy. There is nothing that destroys a spiritual life like that. Isn't that crazy? So often we think, what's, what's standing in the way of me going in deeper in my relationship with God? It's probably some big, huge sin, and it might be for you. And if that's the case, we know where to stick it on the cross because it's dead and done and over with, Right? But a lot of times we don't think that maybe it's the pace at which we live our lives that's actually counterproductive to the, who, the man or woman of God that God wants us to be. That's counterproductive to the things that we read about and sing about and pray to God will change in our life. And he's saying, look at the pace of your life. It's killing you. It's killing your spiritual growth. And now here's the thing. Okay, John, that's great, and that's a great downer to start the sermon. Thank you. Uh, how, do we, how do we remedy that? How do we fix that? Well, modern counseling has one approach. And when I say modern counseling, I'm saying books, movies, magazines, TV shows, whatever our culture is throwing out there to say, maybe this is a solution, maybe this is an answer. Modern counseling and, and the Bible are very different in their approaches. What most counselors, what most self-help books or TV shows will say is this. If you just look deeper inside to yourself, you'll find the answer. You can fix it. You're good enough. You're smart enough. You're pretty enough. It's there inside of you. Try this tip or this trend or this device or this strategy. It'll change everything. But don't you think if we were smart enough as modern people to get off the treadmill we would have done it by now? Why am I up here preaching a sermon on stress and finding rest in our lives that so many of you are going, yeah, yeah, yeah. Why am I doing that if we have the power to fix it within ourselves? We got ourselves into the mess. Do we really think we can get ourselves out? And so the Bible looks at this problem of finding rest a little bit differently. Rather than looking inside ourselves to find the answer, the Bible says, look to the one, believe it or not, imagine this, look to the one who created you. Look to the one that made you, that gave you life. Do you think that he might have the solution? Maybe the answer isn't the latest tip from a magazine, but maybe it's what God has been saying to us in his word all along. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open those up to uh, the passage that was read for us this morning, Exodus chapter 20. We'd love to have every single person take out your Bible. We're going to be bouncing around the Old Testament a little bit today. Exodus chapter 20, that's in the Old Testament. So at the very beginning of your Bible, it starts off Genesis, then Exodus. So we're going to be in Exodus 20, starting in verse Eight. You know, we've been going through these commandments during the series we've been in now. Uh, we're in the third week, and it's called God's Big 
10. And we're called to look at these not as rules, but as, as boundaries, as boundary markers, as gifts that God wants to give us so that we can live the kind of life that he's called us to live, to, to bring us life. And some of you are thinking, oh, great, another sermon series about the Ten Commandments. We'll get done with that and move on to the next one. No, we actually want you to remember these. I know, a revolutionary thought, to remember what you heard in church, right? We actually want you to remember these. And so, no, we're not going to ask you to memorize the 20 or 30 verses in Exodus that the Ten Commandments takes up, but we shorten them for you, okay? So number one, we're just going to shorten it to keep God number one. What's number one? Keep God number one. What's number one? Keep God number one. And last week, Andy talked to us about the power of God's name and about not taking God's name in vain. And I like how we put it. Don't mess with God's name. All right? So what's number two? Don't mess with God's name. What's number two? Don't mess with God's name. What's number one? Keep God number one. What's number two? Don't mess with God's name. You got it. You'll get there. And the rest of you are cheating going, watermelon, watermelon, right? That always gets you out of it. And now we come to number three, depending on which uh, Christian tradition, background you grew up in. Some people split between two and three, and they combine the verses in different ways. But in our uh, Protestant tradition, especially as Lutherans, this is number three. And so we pick it up in verse eight. God says, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Verse nine, six days you shall labor and do all of your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. So two things we got to know right off the bat, just in these first few verses. Sabbath comes from the Hebrew word called Shabbat. Everybody say Shabbat. Shabbat. And Shabbat literally means to cease or to stop. Not partially, not just slow down, but to stop. To completely stop. And secondly, God says this 24-hour period of time, this Shabbat, this Sabbath, is to be holy. In other words, to be holy is to mean set apart. It's different. It's not like the other six days. That you would Sabbath or stop from your normal rhythm of life and rest. And if you think about it, the first thing declared holy, we use that word a lot in Scripture, the first thing declared holy in the entire Bible is time. Isn't that interesting? Maybe that's how much God thinks of it. Some scholars, some certain denominations will get all hung up on the day or this 24-hour period and, and which day, is should it be Saturday or Sunday or whatever day it is for you? And then Jesus comes in later on and sets us straight and says, no, 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 no. Sabbath was made for the man. Sabbath was made for humans, not humans for the Sabbath. So let's keep it straight. It's a gift. We don't debate it. We, you don't debate a gift that you receive. You just receive it. Do you remember growing up and you really didn't want to go to school and you really wanted to sleep in and you got up and your parents are down and they're watching the news and the ticker's going across the bottom of the screen or maybe you called up the, the, the number at the bank like I did growing up, right, to get the automated thing to see if you have school. And for me, it said, no school at Roland Story today. Woo! It's a snow day! That's what a Sabbath is. And you get one from God Every single week. Do you remember that as a child? No school today. Oh man, the opportunities are endless. What am I going to do? It's like a free day. I can do whatever I want. That's a Sabbath. 
That's a Sabbath. It's a free snow day. Some of you will just tell, oh, I don't, John, I don't really need a full day, you know, 24 hours. It's, it's, I'm really busy. I got a lot to do. It's really going to get me behind. I think I'll just take maybe a half day or, or how about three hours? That's a break or an extended lunch break, not a Sabbath. There's a difference between a 20-minute nap and a full day of rest. God says, let's not get caught up in all the logistics and the rules here. It's a gift. When your parents gave you a gift under the Christmas tree, did you start debating with them how you were going to use it? Or did you just receive it? God says, it's a gift, so receive it. And the day may vary that you take your Sabbath, but the length is where we see God's heart. I just want to give you something that you so desperately need, is what God says to us. So most of us would probably say, you know, in relation to all the other commandments, we... I'm, I'm down with all of that, John. I mean, I, I don't, yeah, stealing, you know, murder, adultery. I think I see why those are commandments, right? Those are big, bad, hairy deals. We don't want to mess with those things, right? But the Sabbath, take a, take a rest. That's, that's, out of the 10, if I was going to throw one away, it's probably the Sabbath because nobody will really notice. If I kill somebody, somebody's going to notice, right? But if I don't take a Sabbath, eh, right? Go a couple months, you know, a couple weeks, a couple months, a couple years, Nobody really noticed I don't take a Sabbath. It's, it's really not that big of a deal. And what we do in our culture is with this command from God is we kind of wink at it. John, seriously, welcome to 2014, right? Everything is immediate in our culture. We move 24-7, 365 days a year. There is not time to rest. Don't mess with me and God in his old-fashioned, irrelevant suggestions. There's a reason they're called the Ten Commandments, not the Ten Suggestions, or the Ten If You Have Times. It's a command. It's a Sabbath, and we laugh, but inside we know that there's truth to it. Do you know that of the Ten Commandments, the longest commandment that God spends the most time speaking about is Sabbath? Not adultery, not stealing, not lying, parents, sorry, not honor your parents, Sabbath. Maybe God is trying to get our attention. It's not a suggestion, it's a commandment from God. God is saying, no, it's not murder or stealing, but if you keep going 24-7, you will start to feel the violence done to yourself. Because your emotions and your mind and your body can't take it. God's will for your life, I am 110% confident in saying this, God's will for every single one of your lives is not to be in a constant state of stress, anxiety, and depletion. Nothing is more clear. Take a rest, God says. That's how valuable you are to me. The reason I say don't murder is because I care about the person that you're thinking about murdering, right? The reason I say take a Sabbath, it's that serious, is you are doing violence to yourself. And God says, you are my treasure, you are my valued possession. So take it seriously. It's a commandment, it's not a throwaway. It's not a throwaway. Turns out we aren't just commanded to rest, even way more than that, we were created for rest. Turn in your Bibles, go back to Genesis chapter 2. We're going to go all the way back to the beginning, even before 
Moses and the Ten Commandments. Genesis 2, chapter 2. We were not just commanded to rest, but we were created to rest. So Genesis 2, chapter 2. You know the story. In the beginning, God creates the heavens and the earth. And then we get to the end of it. God says every single day was good. And then we get to the end. And we read this in Genesis 2, verse 2. If you're there, say, I'm there. By the seventh day, God had finished, notice, finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he, God, the God of the universe, rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. So built into the very fabric of creation is this idea of Sabbath. Moses didn't come up with it up on top of the mountains in the Ten Commandments. Oh, this is a good idea. We should rest. God took a Sabbath. And if God took a Sabbath, don't you think he is modeling something that he desires for all of us? Now, you've probably heard this a thousand times. On the seventh day, you know, God created the world in six days, and on the seventh day, he rested. But have you ever stopped to ask, that's a little odd. Why does the God of the universe need to take a nap? He's God. Why didn't he just give himself more strength, right? He doesn't even need five-hour energy. He's God. Why does he need to rest? And some of you get all tripped up on that. Doesn't, God doesn't get tired, does he? Well, look a little deeper. God wasn't exhausted. He was trying to explain something to us about the nature of working and resting. Think about it this way. It almost creates a, a, a pendulum or a, a, a metronome. For those of you that are in music, I don't want to confuse you. You can just flip this upside down. But it almost like God writes into creation this idea that for six days, there's work and work is good. God did the work of creating, but on the seventh day, he rested. And God is trying to create this rhythm where if you imagine this little pendulum down here and it swings back and forth. Those of you that are in music, the metronome would go this way, right? And we go, right? Just flip that upside down. That is the rhythm that God has set into creation between work and rest. I feel way too tall being up there. That's why I'm down here. Um, And there's a time for both. One is not better than the other. Some of you are thinking, oh, God would just prefer us to be rested. He would just prefer rest all the time. But go back to Genesis 1, just a few verses before at the end of chapter 1. God creates man and woman, and then in verse 28 it said, God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it, rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Adam and Eve got the first gig of working at the zoo, right? So pretty amazing there. In other words, work. Work. God said, I created you to work, and your job is good. Whatever job God has provided you with, it's good. It's our calling. So we're hired for our job on the sixth day, right? Adam and Eve are created. God gives them this job to do. They're hired one day, and then the very next day, God rested. So what do you suppose Adam and Eve... Have you ever thought about this? What do you, what do you suppose Adam and Eve did on the seventh day? God's taking a nap. They rested. What a great job. Have you ever gotten a job where you get hired one day and then your first day on the job you show up and your boss says, oh, just take it off, take a nap. What a great gig, right? And that's what we're given. That's the rhythm that God sets into motion in creation. 
God begins our work out of rest. It starts here. It starts with rest, not with work. So could it be, go with me here for a second, could it be that God is actually calling us not to rest from our work, but actually to work out of the abundance of our rest? Do you think about that? I hear so many people say, oh, everybody, you know the song, everybody's working for the, oh, just to get some rest, right? Go to the bar, relax, find some pleasure, because work's a drag. It's not how God set it up. It's not how God set it up. People say, oh, I can't wait for the weekend. I'm exhausted. And often our lives are like those wind-up toys or those wind-up cars, you know, the, and we get all wound up, and then we just go, 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 crash. I don't see that in creation. That's not how God created us. What if God is saying, your job is not something to be survived or escaped from, but actually a holy calling that is meant to be entered into after a Sabbath of rest and renewal. It's not something, oh, can I survive another week of work? Instead, out of my rest and out of the abundance of the renewal that God wants to bring to my life, I am catapulted back into my holy calling that God has given me, no matter what work God has provided you with. God asks, I'm asking you to relook at the rhythms of how you were made. Those of you that are in music, you know how important rhythm is, right? Think about it. Let's just try this. Everybody clap with me. It's like we're getting ready for the big game here. Just clap with me. Keep up. Here we go. Keep up. Keep going. Keep going. Okay, stop. That was amazing. Did you? I just started randomly clapping, and you just joined right in. Why? How could you do that? How did that happen? Because I asked you to. That's right. Right? Now, Matt, just go with me for a second here. What if I would have come out and said, okay, everybody, ready? Let's do this. Clap with me. Ready? Here we go. Come on. Keep up. Let's go. Don't give up. Some of you are really trying. Dang it! Don't frustrate yourself. This is an anti-stress sermon, okay? Why could you do the first time but not the second time? First one had a rhythm. First one had a rhythm. First one had a rhythm. Musicians know that. So why would it be any different for us? God set this into place. It's a rhythm, back and forth. Not pinned to one side or the other, but there is a natural rhythm to life as a pendulum swings back and forth. And when we push against this rhythm, we push against the way that we were created. No wonder we feel exhausted. Oh, I think I only got six hours instead of eight hours of sleep. No, you've been pinning that side of the pendulum to the work side of it the entire week. Maybe that's why you're exhausted. Because you haven't taken time to go back and get filled up by God. Often when people hear Sabbath, they think, oh, okay, John, that sounds great. I'm on board with that. That's great. That is a novel idea. But what do I do? Like, what actually is a Sabbath? And so, for the re- 
rest of our time today, I just want to walk us through four key aspects, not rules, not, you know, things you have to do, that defeats the point, but think about we're baking a cake. And to bake a cake, you need, you could leave out some things, but there's some pretty essential things that you need, right? So if we're baking a cake, we need some essential ingredients. If we're going to have a great day of Sabbath, we need some essential ingredients. And I want to point out four for you today. And what they are is stop sign. Some of you, ooh, I want that. A pillow, basketball, and a journal. These are the four things you need to have a great Sabbath, or something like that. Okay, so let's take them one at a time, all right? The first one, everybody say it with me. Stop. Say it with me. Stop. Everybody say it with me. Stop. We all know what this means in a car. It means to, what if I, in, our, in, our, in your life, if you're driving down the road and you see that, what are you going to do? You're going to slow down first, hopefully, right? You're not just going to crash. You're going you're to slow down, right? We know what it means in driving, but not always in life. It sounds easy enough, but this is where Jesus starts to mess with us a little bit. Jesus is standing here today with his hands open to you, and he says, come to me to find rest. And I think before we go any further, we just have to ask, and I want to ask you, do you even care about that invitation? Some of us do, maybe some of us don't. Sometimes I think no matter how much we need it, the answer is no, because we don't want to change. I don't want that rhythm, thank you very much. I have my own rhythm. Because we know that if Jesus gets a hold of us, he's probably going to ask us to give up some things and change some things that we're clinging to. And for some of you, the thought process is this. If I slow down, I will have to face how lonely I feel. If I slow down, I won't have to face myself in the mirror and admit that I've become a workaholic. If I'm not on top of things, I may feel like I'm not in control. And so one of the reasons that God commands us to have a Sabbath is so that we stop to experience grace. Grace is not something to be thought of merely intellectually. It's something to be experienced in our Lives And so Sabbath is a deliberate act of not doing or a fic- over a fixed amount of time so that we can experience what it's like to accomplish nothing and be, and be loved no less. You won't know if you're loved by doing nothing unless you do nothing. Grace is not a theological concept. It's a reality that Jesus wants us to step into every single day because Sabbath from the very beginning was a distinctive. It's what made God's people different from everybody else. Think back to where God's people came from, the Israelites. They had been in slavery in Egypt for 400 years. Think of 24 hours a day, 365 days a year, 400 years of working nonstop, seven days a week, no Sabbath. And then a God comes, rescues you, leads you through the water, takes you into the promised land and says, here, here is rest. You can take the seventh day off. It's a gift. Don't argue with it. And God is saying to the Israelites and he's saying to us, by doing this, your worth and your value is based on me, not what on people think, not on what you can accomplish, not on your money, your status, or anything else. Your value and your worth is based on my grace. And you no longer have to work seven days a week like you did in Egypt. You are free, so get some rest. And in a weird way, every time we neglect that, we're putting the shackles back on. 
God says, I created you to be unlike any other people in the whole world. You're my people. And when you're my people, you rest. Because you're loved and you don't have to strive any longer. Sabbath is a weekly reminder that we are human beings, not human doings. Somehow we've bought into the lie. This one's tough. This one's going to sting for some of us, myself included. Somehow we have bought into the lie in our culture that the busier I am, the more successful I am. Which is not the truth. God asks us, asks us today, I think, honestly, when did exhaustion become a status symbol? Like a badge of honor that we wear. I work 65 hours a week. Look how important I am. Nobody ever says that, but we say it with how we live our lives. When did it become a status symbol? God says, you're mine. You're a child of God. What higher status do you need? So what voices are you listening to? Because if you're not careful, those voices will drive your life. Sabbath is an experience that I am deeply loved by God and I'm not doing anything. Because here's the thing. In the end, Sabbath cuts to the core of our lives and we're forced to ask the question, can I trust God enough to stop? That he will actually take care of me. Or do I have to be the one playing God? The core spiritual issue here is trust. Is trust. Can I surrender to the rhythm that God created me for? Not as suggesting to me, but created me for. And I'm right here with you. <laughs> I am struggling with this. This is difficult for me. That's why I'm preaching, because I need it to hear it myself. So we stop. That's the first thing, but we also rest. Does anybody need one of these? So, yeah, exactly. This one's not very good. It's kind of worthless pillow. But when we hear this, when you hear rest and you hear Sabbath, most people just think of sleep. And for some of you, that is the truth. Getting adequate sleep is the very gift that God wants to give some of you. I, there's all sorts of stats, stats about sleep. I'll just give you one. Do you know that 50 to 70 million Americans have some sort of sleep problem? That's a lot. That's too much. Some of us are exhausted, and worse yet, we think it's normal. We think it's normal to get four to five hours of sleep a night. For some of us, a good night's sleep... Well, hear me say this. For some of you, a good night's sleep might be the holiest thing you do this week. Oh, it doesn't sound spiritual enough, Pastor. Your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. And if you kick it to the curb every week, what does that say about the God that made you? It's a gift. Put your head on the pillow and get... Some sleep. For some of us, the hardest thing to do to, to give a rest is not our bodies, if we're honest, it's this, isn't it? Because smartphones have become so normal, and I'm just as guilty of this as anybody, we get so wrapped up in it, we don't realize what we look like <laughs> on a weekly basis. And, and worse yet, what this is doing to the people around us. And so it's important that we have an outside perspective. Take a look at this quick video and see if you're convicted like me. Oh, I'm sorry. It's addicting, isn't it? It's addicting. Dr. Richard Swenson is a well-known Christian psychologist and doctor, and he says, you want to give somebody a great gift this year? He says, the gift we most need would be a phoneless cord. I 
I want you to hear me this morning. This is not bad. I use it a lot, and it's very, very handy, and it's great. It's also addictive, just like anything else. So I'm not the grumpy old man up here saying, let's not move forward with technology. Technology is great where it can help the kingdom, where it can help us connect. But I also wonder if it does more disconnecting than connecting. A question that I ask myself a lot is, what did I turn to before I had this? Right? If I was just standing somewhere, if I was in between conversations, if I, if I felt awkward or uncomfortable in a social situation, instead of going like this, what did I do? Well, one thing, I don't know, but one thing I do know is that since I got this, I am less aware of what God is doing around me. So you have to put boundaries around it. Because God says, I want to give you the gift of being fully present to the people around you. And ultimately, God says to me, So maybe it's rest from your phone, maybe it's physical rest. For some of you, you need rest from hurry. I've actually heard that hurry sickness is actually a term being used in the medical community. Like you could actually get diagnosed with that. Isn't that crazy? That's new. That hasn't been around forever, right? Speaks to where our culture is going. We always are on high gear and it's actually addictive to hurry. And how do I know this is true? I'm driving this past week, as I'm preparing this sermon, I'm driving down university, right? Through Windsor Heights. Urgh, 25. Uh, and you're driving through there, and, and I don't have anywhere to go in a hurry, but I'm just riding somebody's tail, and all of a sudden I think to myself, am I late? Am I in a hurry? No. I'm just so used to, let's go, let's go! You're in the, in the, you're in the uh, grocery store, right? In the checkout lane, and somebody's got 37,000 items in the 20 or less item lane, right? Something kind of rises up in us. Do I have anywhere to go? No. I'm just hurried all the time. What if God actually wanted you to have a conversation instead of standing in line looking at your phone? I don't know. I'm just as convicted as you are. I love how the author Dallas Willard writes about the life of Jesus. He says, busy? Of course Jesus was busy. Jesus was busy all the time. He had people to heal, he had people to serve, he had people to feed. Jesus was busy all the time, but he was never hurried. And the difference between busy and hurried is a condition of the soul. Where's your center? Do you, do you, do you have a center or do you suffer from hurry sickness? Is your soul at rest even during your work? Does that make sense? You have a centeredness in your day. So what is God calling you to rest from? And the key in all these things is making space for the one that can actually give you rest. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 11, Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. I will give you rest. Jesus says, come to me, but I wonder how often we turn to other things. At the end of a busy day or at the end of a busy week, we turn to television, to alcohol, to the internet, and sadly, many times for a lot of us, we run right back to work because it numbs the pain. And sometimes all we do is veg in front of the TV. And don't get me wrong, I love to veg in front of the TV. Get me a bag of chips and some Iowa Hawkeye basketball and I am set. And that's a part of Sabbath. But if that's it, and I go back into my work week having done that all day, am I filled up? No. So Jesus says those things aren't all bad. It's just that at the end of the day, you're not going to experience the renewal. You're going to go back to work and you're still going to feel numb. You're numbing yourself to life and to the fact that you're exhausted instead of God allowing God to fill you back up, fill back up your bucket. God says, I don't want to give you a brief moment of pleasure 
in front of the TV or in front of the computer or in front of your phone or with the bottle. I don't want to give you a brief moment of pleasure. I want to satisfy and refresh your soul. When's the last time you went into a work week fully refreshed and rested? That's God's heart for you. Which takes us to the third key ingredient of a great Sabbath, basketball. No, for me it's basketball, right? But it's delight. It's simply delighting. Delighting means I'm going to choose to do something where I'm not accomplishing anything. I'm not, I don't need to prove anything to anybody. I am going to do whatever I'm going to do simply because it brings me joy. When's the last time you did that? Not for a presentation at work, not to prove something to somebody, not to act on anything, but just because I love doing it. And for me, that's a game of basketball where I work up a sweat. I use my mind a lot during the week, so I want to use my body a lot on my Sabbath. And for some of you are saying, now, Pastor John, a basketball game doesn't sound very holy. Oh, but it is. Why? God created basketball. And if God created basketball, that means it's holy. And by me delighting in it, by me delighting in this, you know what I'm doing? I'm actually delighting in God. So what is it for you? When I delight in it, I'm delighting in him. Jesus says in John chapter 10, I have come that you might have life and have it abundantly. So for some of you, delighting is reading a book or cooking your favorite meal. It probably involves spending quality time with family and friends. For others, it's sports or working in the yard or exercise, whatever. Whatever that is for you, choose something that actually fills you up, not depletes you. What fills you up? Which leads to the final key ingredient of a great Sabbath, and that is simply contemplation. Contemplation. Now, when I say that, some of you are like, sounds boring. John, I'm not a monk, for pity's sakes, right? Here's what contemplation is. It's simply taking time to be with God. In a culture that's always moving, we're always thinking ahead to the next urgent thing. Instead, God invites us to think back once in a while. To remember who we are and to remember who he is. To remember who God is and what he's done. Back in high school, I started journaling. Uh, like every day. And my high school buddies thought, well, let's be honest. They made fun of me a lot. Preacher boy, not preacher boy, but pastor's kids got his little diary there. What's in your diary? I didn't let it get to me. And then I, I went off to college and I started reading about all these great heroes of the Christian faith who took Sabbaths and they all journaled. And these people, it seemed, had the most intimacy with God. It's because they took time to slow down and just write about what God is teaching them, about what they're hearing from God. Another part of contemplation, it, contemplating is remembering that we're loved. As crazy as my son is uh, sometimes, who doesn't stop moving, um, one of my favorite things to do on my Sabbath is to take my son and hold him like this while I still can for a few more years here and hold him in my arms and like squeeze him really tight and wrap him up and just whisper right into his ear, I love you, 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 I love you. And a lot of times I do it right away in the morning when he hasn't accomplished anything. That's Sabbath. Letting God whisper into your ear, I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you, and you haven't done anything today. So here's my challenge to us this morning. What if we actually took God up on his offer? 
What do you think would happen if we actually followed this command? It might be uncomfortable. It might be scary to stop or to let go. It might be the biggest barrier in your relationship with God. Living in God's rhythm might just be the lifeline that you've been looking for. Got a couple volunteers that are going to bring up my, my final prop. It's, it's prop day today. I wanted to give you a, a visual of what Jesus is offering to us today. There's these stories of how it used to be 100, 150 years ago here in the Midwest when they had a big blizzard similar to the snowpocalypse that we had this last week. Glad you're all safe. And what they would do is they would they'd have to go out to their barn to make sure that the animals are okay and that they're not freezing to death. And so they would tie a rope to the front porch and then they would tie the rope to the barn. And they would go out and a lot of people would die because they couldn't see to get back from the barn to the house. And so they would tie this rope. And in the midst of the blizzard, in the midst of the chaos, when they couldn't see anything, they knew that if they were hanging on to the rope, they would get home and they would find their destination. Jesus is saying to you today in the midst of a non-stop 365, 24-7, seven days a week culture, I am that rope. And you can choose to ignore it and live your life exhausted, overwhelmed, and burned out. Or Jesus says you can come to me and take hold of the life and take hold of the rhythm that you were created for. What does it look like for you today to take hold of that rope? We're not just going to talk about it. I actually want you to do it this week. For just a second, take out that card that was in your bulletin today that says Sabbath card. Thanks, guys. Sabbath card. Should be in there. And it lists those four areas. And I, I don't, you don't need to do it right now because we're going to worship. But I want, what I want you to do and my challenge to you this week, on the top of that card, I want, to write, want you to write down what day you're going to take Sabbath this week. Not, oh, I'll get to it. I'll get to it when things slow down at work. I'll get to it when the kids are out of the house. I'll get to it when I'm serious about my faith. When, when is that day going to come? If not this week. So let's not just talk about it. Let's do it. And I want to challenge you to do, when you go home, either today or tomorrow, don't wait. Write something in each one of those four things. What am I going to stop? What am I going to rest from? What am I going to delight in? And what's God calling me to contemplate? Take God up on his offer. Let's not just talk about it. Let's do it. And so we sang this song earlier called Hungry, and some of you are familiar with it. I think the lyrics are just perfect for today there's one of the verses says this broken i run to you for your arms are open wide i am weary but i know that your touch restores my life and some of you are sitting here this morning saying that's me that's me and jesus is saying well then here i am you hungry you hungry to go deeper in your walk with god are you hungry for a new rhythm to life Jesus says, come to me. Come to me. Let's stand and let's sing and let's worship him together and be fully present with God.